glad you're here with us today. My name's David. If you're visiting with us, really glad that you're here. And to our online friends, uh, really glad that you're with us as well. I wanted to give you just, if you were here last Sunday, if you weren't, I'm sorry, but this, this will be real quick. I wanted to give you a guitar update. Big house, you may be dismissed, <laughs> as you already know, first through fourth graders. <clears throat> they just keep coming. It's awesome. Awesome. So I want to give you an update on the guitar story from last week. So I had my browser open to that site that had the guitar that I talked about that God told me, well, I, I knew. It's not good for my soul to get everything I want. So when I got to the office Monday morning, opened my browser, it was sitting there, and they are running a promotion now, four years interest-free financing. And I was like, why, God? Why did I say the things that I said? I did not buy the guitar. The guitar is not on its way. I just wanted to let you know. So Jesus is very early in his ministry. He's been rejected in his hometown of Nazareth. He's moved to Capernaum, down on the Sea of Galilee, where he's beginning to establish a reputation as a teacher and as a healer. And one morning he was teaching on the shores of Galilee at a town called Gennesaret. And they called it up there. They, they made it their own. It's the Lake of Gennesaret. Okay, if that's what you want to call it. So Jesus is teaching, and it says the crowds were pressing in to hear the word of God. And I love that. You know, some people say that, well, people didn't really think Jesus was God until generations later. No, Luke, the gospel writer, said when Jesus spoke, he was the word of God, speaking the word of God, and the people couldn't get enough. And I love that. So the crowd is pressing in to where Jesus is backed up on the shore. And it says there were two boats there, two fishing boats. Peter and the people who aren't named until later were there cleaning their nets after a long night of fishing. And we'll come back to why they were fishing at night. But it says Jesus simply climbed into one of the boats. He didn't ask, excuse me, sir. He just climbed into the boat and said, Peter, put out a little bit. It's getting crowded here. So Peter did what he asked. But I wonder if Peter felt, when Jesus said put out, Peter felt, well, I'm feeling a little put out myself right now. But Jesus wanted to be someplace where he could be heard speaking across the water. And it says, when he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And now there's no mistaking, I think, how Peter was feeling, not just put out, but he's already irritated because it hasn't been a good night, which we'll see in a minute. I think he's probably a little bit insulted, like, tell you what, preacher man, you do the preaching and leave the fishing to me. Don't tell me where to put my nets. I've been there all night long. I wonder what his tone was in Luke 5, 5, when he says, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. You know what that feels like? You ever been there? Now, I know what it is to not catch fish. Anybody who's been fishing with me can attest. I'm not, matter of fact, my buddy Brian did my wedding, best friend from years and years and years back. One day put this post on Facebook. If you can see it, the guy has like 40 fishing rods. Tag a friend who still wouldn't catch anything. He tagged me. All right, so that's the kind of fisherman I am. But for Peter, not catching fish didn't mean he was going to get a ribbing from his buddies. He wasn't going to get tagged in some kind of post. For Peter to not catch fish was much bigger than that. If Peter doesn't catch fish, he doesn't pay the bills. He can't feed his family. Fishing isn't a hobby. It's his life and his livelihood. And right now, his life isn't going so well. His way isn't working. 
But it's not from a lack of effort. And I know that some of you know what that's like. You've been there. You may be there now. You've put in the work. And you expect a certain result. But despite all your efforts, you don't have anything to show for it. As a parent, you've worked so hard to be present with your kids, to, to put the energy into raising them right, to give them the attention that you know that they need. You would expect more than you're getting in return. At work, you've done things the right way. You work hard. You do things with integrity. But when it's time for the promotion, somebody else gets the nod and you're stuck where you were. Or maybe you have a, a broken relationship that you know you need to reconcile. And so you've taken the first step. You've made yourself vulnerable. You've put yourself out there and all you get in return is more hurt. Or maybe in your marriage, you've been to the seminars, you listen to the podcasts, you read the books, you signed up for the Build Your Marriage Retreat coming up in September and the deadline to sign up today if you want a room is today. You already did that. You picked up your towels and put them in the basket instead of throwing them on the floor. You've done everything. But he or she just, it just feels broken. Now, if the world was just and fair, then we ought to be able to count on a formula. Effort in, production out. If I put in the work, I should have something to show for it, right? Does the world work that way? No. And when you keep pulling in your nets and there's nothing to show for it, what then? If you're a Christian, maybe you can identify with Peter a little bit. I mean, Jesus is here and the stuff he's saying is good, but you have nets to mend. Maybe there's a disconnect between what you hear Jesus saying and where you live your life. Matter of fact, what Jesus asks might be inconvenient, unrealistic. I've got things I need to get done, Jesus. But Jesus asks anyway. In fact, what does he tell Peter to do? I want you to keep doing what you've been doing. But this time, bring me along. Put me in the boat. Kyle Eidelman is the preacher at the Southeast Christian Church, the big church on, what is that, 64 East down in Louisville. Church of, I mean, tens of thousands of people on multiple campuses every weekend. He's one of those guys that everybody looks up to. I mean, Kyle's just a smooth operator. Well, he has a new book out. And he describes a season of frustration and fatigue and discouragement and anxiety. And he said he had a friend who very graciously said, you don't seem like yourself. I, I've, I'd like you to talk to this executive coach who might be able to help you with some of these leadership issues. He said it wasn't too long into that first session with his executive coach, and he said, wait a minute, you're not an executive coach, you're a therapist. Like I said, yeah, I have to call myself an executive coach so guys like you will actually talk to me. <laughs> he said, I don't like to whine. He said, I'm not a whiner. Matter of fact, I, he said, I have posted on my office and in my house do everything about grumbling or complaining. He said, that's not a reminder to me. That's a warning to everybody else. He said, I'm not a whiner. 
But he said, as I talked to my executive coach, he said, things just started pouring out of me. And he said, everyone has an opinion about what I should be doing differently or how I could do it better. I can't post anything on social media without somebody taking it personally and getting offended. My list of things that need to get done feels like a weight that's too heavy, but more plates get added to the bar every day. The people I care about the most are always getting my leftover energy and time. I'm in over my head. I don't know what I'm doing. And I think everybody around me is starting to figure that out. I feel like everyone needs something from me and all I do is let them down. I don't feel motivated or driven. I come home from work and just want to lie on the couch and stare at my phone. I'm discouraged and I'm discouraged about feeling discouraged. And I feel like I'm letting God down. I don't know why he doesn't pull me out of the game and put somebody else in. And as a pastor, I said, yeah, I know what that feels like. But I'm not alone as a pastor in knowing what that feels like, am I? The name of his book is When Your Way Isn't Working. When your nets come in empty, time after time after time. When you're out of ideas, you're out of energy. When you're at the end of, the ro end of your rope and you don't know what else to do, what then? Well, the process of assessing and diagnosing what was happening in his life led Kyle Eidelman to realize that he'd been throwing out lots of nets and coming back empty because he hadn't been making room for Jesus in the boat. Jesus, you give me the words of God to share with people. You're good at that. But I'll lead and I'll plan and I'll strategize and I'll comfort and I'll counsel. I'll keep fishing because that's what I do. And I identify with that. I say the same thing to Jesus sometime. Do you? Jesus, you do what you do. I'll do what I do. Just stay in your lane. How's that work out for you? What do you do when you've done all you know how to do and it still isn't working? In John chapter 15, Jesus addresses this. Starting in verse 4, he says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you re remain in me. Or maybe you should say, catch fish. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. So over the next four or five weeks... We're going to keep coming back to this invitation of Jesus. It's an invitation. It's a promise. If you remain in me, you will bear fruit. And we're going to look at this in the context in which it was given. Jesus said this at the Last Supper when his disciples had no idea what was coming. Their world was about to blow up. They were going to have every opportunity to feel frustrated and anxious and discouraged and afraid. So throughout that final meeting with his friends, before his arrest and execution, before their lives got really dark, well, Jesus didn't want his friends, his followers, to live defeated lives. As circumstances came, he didn't want them to be lost. He wanted them to know, you can overcome this. And I want you to know that's true for you 
to. Whatever's happening, you can overcome this. And we'll see that in the words of Jesus, which were infused with the language of victory and triumph and overcoming. So this series is called Overcomers. Because I truly believe that's what Jesus wants for you. I believe it's what he wants for me. He wants us to overcome the fruitlessness of doing things our way, the, the fruitlessness of living with frustration and anxiety and fear and discouragement and giving in to temptation. Those are all symptoms of a disconnected, a detached life, not being connected to the vine. But all it takes to turn it around, it is possible to live in victory. It's possible to live lives that bear fruit by connecting to him. In Jesus, things don't have to stay the same. Things can change, but that's, that only works if we're willing to say, my way isn't working. Matter of fact, let's say that together. My way isn't working. Here's what Kyle Ottoman said. If your way was working, would you regularly feel so exhausted and anxious? Would you still be struggling with your addiction? Would you still need to have a drink before going to bed? Would you still feel compelled to look at porn when you feel stressed? Would you still head online to shop when you feel overwhelmed? If your way was working, would you still experience the same turmoil in your relationships? Would you still be losing your temper with your spouse? Would you still have some old friends who no longer talk to you? If your way was working, would you still be struggling with bitterness and resentment? Would you still feel overwhelmed by fear and anxiety? Would you still be discouraged and ready to quit? And then he says, honestly look around and ask yourself, if my way was going to work, wouldn't it have worked by now? Let's go out back to the lake. Jesus says, Peter, put out into deep water, let down your nets. And Peter says, don't you think we've already tried that, Jesus? We tried it all night, and it didn't work. I guess the nets were made out of linen. They were white, so you couldn't fish with these nets in the daytime. The fish would see them and swim around them. You could only fish with these nets at night when they wouldn't see them in the dark, and they'd get caught. Jesus, what you're saying doesn't make any sense. He says, we tried, Jesus. And I think Jesus just didn't look at him. Till Peter finally says, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Now, Jesus didn't make any guarantees. He didn't make any promises. No, okay, listen, let me tell you what's about to happen. This is going to be amazing. It'll be so cool. Let me give you the roadmap for where we're going. I'm going to blow your socks off, Peter. Come on. None of that. You should put out in deep water. Let down your nets. Try again, but bring me along this time. And maybe that's the first step in learning how to abide, how to stay connected to Jesus, to remain in him, is simply to say, okay, Jesus, because you say so. To, in humility, admit, you know what, Jesus, you might know more than I do. I mean, I'm pretty good at my job, but you might know more about my job than I do. I work hard at my marriage, 
that you might know more about my spouse than I do. You know more about my kids. You know more about my body and what I need to do to be healthy. You know more about my finances than I do, Jesus. You know me better than I know me, Jesus. So even when you ask me to do things that don't make sense, things that I've already tried, things that I know won't work, things that I just don't want to do, Jesus, because you say so. Okay. I will. And because Peter obeyed, trusted, submitted, whatever word you want to use, because he did what he'd already tried, but this time because he had Jesus in the boat, it says they caught so many fish the nets couldn't hold them. It says they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled, their, filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And Peter in that moment learned that more than his efforts and more than his expertise, it was connection to Jesus that made the difference. If you remain in me, Jesus said, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, just throwing nets. So here's your assignment for this week. Be honest. Whine if you have to. Be honest with yourself, first of all. Maybe be honest with a friend who you trust. Most importantly, be honest with God. Just say, my way isn't working. And then ask, am I abiding? Am I connected to the vine? Jesus, you know better than I do. So what would it mean to bring you along? As a parent, what does it mean to parent? with you beside me? What does it mean as a spouse to love my wife, to love my husband with you there with me? What does it mean to take you to work with me where hard effort isn't rewarded there? What's it mean? What's it mean to take you to school, Jesus, when everybody else is going and pressuring me to go places I know I shouldn't go? What's it mean to take you to school with me? And then when he impresses on you, and I think he will if you spend time in silence, when he impresses, this is what I want you to do, then you don't say, oh, no, I've tried that. It didn't work. I'm tired. I don't want to. What are people going to think? Simply, because you say so, Jesus. Matter of fact, let's say that together. Because you say so. Before you leave this morning, you may have noticed there's some fishing nets and scissors hanging around the room. And when the service is over, or maybe while we're singing the songs, whenever you want, if you want to do this, if you want to take this challenge this week of saying, my way isn't working because you say so, just cut yourself a piece of net. Uh, enough to identify that it's a net, but we have two services today, so don't take like a big, you know, take, take a little bit. 
And maybe hang it on the gear shift in your car or the pull on a drawer in your bedroom or on your dining table, someplace where you'll see it. And every time you look at that piece of net this week, you say, because you say so, Jesus, that's a great way to start the day. Jesus, whatever happens today, because you say so, I'm going to do what you ask me to do. Let it be a reminder. Let it be a promise that this time doesn't have to be like last time. He wants to fill your nets. He wants to fill your boat. He wants to be with you. So let's finish out the story. In this series, my, my intent is every week as we look at an emotion that we need to overcome, frustration, fear, if it's temptation, discouragement, whatever it is, to look at circumstances in the Bible where somebody faced a similar circumstance, where they were, had that same emotion, and identify the lie that we believe. Now, Peter's lie in the boat was, it's not going to work because I've already tried it. And once we identify the lie, then let's look for the truth about God that counteracts it. And the truth about God for Peter was, I'm here. I can do anything. So every week, what do you face? What's the lie you believe? What is the truth that God wants you to know to set you free? When Peter was confronted with the truth, he fell on his knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. I didn't believe you. I didn't trust you. I told you no. What was wrong with me? He repented. To repent is simply to say, my way isn't working. I'm ready to try a different way. And Jesus' response is so beautiful. It's not condemnation. It's not chastisement or rebuke. It's not agreement. Yep, Peter, you're pretty dumb. No, he didn't say that. Because Jesus doesn't ever look back. Jesus is always looking forward. He's always calling us ahead. Keep making progress. Live a new life. So he said, Peter, get up. Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll fish for people. What you've just seen was nothing compared to what you're going to see. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. And because of his obedience, because of his humble submission, because Peter said, because you say so, Jesus, I will. Because he repented and admitted that Jesus' way was better than anything he could do on his own. Well, everything changed for Peter. His calling, his purpose, his livelihood, the fruit of the rest of his life was so much better than fish. He went from a defeated fisherman to an overcomer whose name and story we still remember today. And that's what Jesus offers to each of us. New purpose, new calling, new fruit, new life. Now, when Jesus says, remain in me, he doesn't give us guarantees and promises and roadmaps. This is where I'm going to take you. It'll blow your socks off. But there is a promise. And we'll see that all through that Last Supper conversation. You don't have to live defeated anymore. You can overcome discouragement. You can overcome fear. You can overcome anxiety. You can overcome shame. You can overcome temptation. You will bear much fruit. Remain in me. 
How do I know that's true? Because Jesus said so. Let's pray. Father, my way doesn't work most of the time. And you, you just keep inviting. Oh, try again. But not by your effort, not by your wisdom, not by your skill or expertise or training or experience. Bring me along. God, I know that there are marriages, there are home lives, there are relationships, friendships, there are workplaces, there are school classrooms. God, represented in this room are so many places where we just keep trying and our nets keep coming up empty. Father, give us the humility to say, my way isn't working. To ask, what would you have me do? And then to simply say, God, because you say so, I will. Connect us to the vine. Connect us to each other. Connect us to your calling and purpose and your ambitions and hopes for our lives. God, may we bear fruit to your glory. We pray this in the name of Jesus.